Welcome to the Freedom Formula for Physicians podcast, where it's all about slashing your debt, slashing your taxes, and creating a liberated lifestyle. And now, your host, who met his wife while training for the 400 meters in Seattle and is eating gluten-free whilst lusting after bread, Dave Denniston. Hello, my friends, and welcome back to another episode of the Freedom Formula for Physicians podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping doctors like you slash your debt, slash your taxes, and live a liberated lifestyle. Well, I am delighted to have here with me a special guest that talks to an awful lot of medical practices, healthcare organizations, all centered around consulting, telling stories, promoting procedures and specialties, and developing marketing strategies. So not the usual kind of thing that we talk about, but I'm sure we're going to get some great nuggets of wisdom. Please help me welcome Justin Knott from Intrepi Healthcare Marketing. Welcome, Justin. Thank you, Dave, for having me on. I'm, I'm really excited to kind of talk about where financial and marketing meet in the middle and how they support each other for the success of, of physicians. I, as you mentioned, my, my background for the last 10 years, I've really done nothing but um, help medical practices and help physicians brand themselves, uh, especially in an online space um, that is ever growing, especially with COVID, uh, and reach new patients and retain those patients. Uh, we've been doing it for about 10 years. And not only do we just work in healthcare, we work more specifically in the surgical space and medical. That's kind of what we've been doing uh, since day one. And uh, tell us a little bit about you, Justin. We're talking pre-chat. You know, sounds like you're from Orlando, been in Georgia, Orlando Magic fan, Braves fan. Tell us about you and growing up a bit. Absolutely. So yeah, I grew up, grew up, born and raised in Orlando. So a Floridian um, at heart for sure. The beach is never needs to be more than 30 minutes away. Um, my wife did as well. We have a, a beautiful little daughter that's going to turn two in November. So it's been an exciting, really exciting time for us. But Spent, spent part of my journey building the agency and everything up in Atlanta. We really loved that. And then kind of like a lot of people found out we were having a kid at the start of COVID and felt it, felt uh, the call back to home. So relocated here. My, my background is actually in early stage investing. That's how I fell into marketing. And then um, as a result, really, of my wife and her background in healthcare, we started an agency like 25 years old, just dating in a one bedroom apartment, cut our internet and everything and jump both feet in uh, to healthcare marketing. And it's been a really wild and fun ride um, that's led us to where we are here now living back in Orlando. Wow. Awesome. So with making making these changes in, in your life, you know, tell us um, you were an early stage investor. Like what what did that mean? What what was that all about? Yeah. So I was really fortunate because I came out in the middle of the financial crisis in 2011. So there weren't a lot of jobs and we were competing a lot against MBAs. I was a financial um, investments major at UCF. And so I was having a hard time finding a job and just so happened to kind of land in an intern that worked into a full-time job role for an early stage investing group that was raising capital, creating um, ideas and companies in-house, and then finding the human capital once they placed investments to start those businesses. And that was really interesting because I got to really see all sides of like creating operating agreements and equity and shareholder stuff um, all the way to building a brand and building a logo and building a website to help these people um, launch a particular, a lot of subscription-based models and how to create wealth around that and how to create revenue and grow businesses. So it was, I, I think it was a really pivotal part of my journey as an entrepreneur because um, I was one of the 
fortunate few, like right out of school, just got to see all sides of everything from, from fundraising to placing capital and to scaling businesses. And that was really kind of key in terms of what I could bring to the table early on when we, when Kelly, my wife and I started our business, cause she had the marketing experience and the healthcare knowledge and the healthcare relationships. And I had the early stage growth and entrepreneurial um, experience from an early on, a very early beginning. Well, I think having that perspective is so helpful. And I think it might be good to just pass on a few lessons to us. You know, if people are thinking of investing in early stage companies, for example, like what, what should they be asking? What should they be considering knowing what you know of having worked, you know, in a place like that? For sure. I I think track record is really key without going down too far of a rabbit hole in terms of um, the organization that I worked for. I think they had, they had one really good senior advisor, but everyone else was pretty green. And I think that was to the detriment. If I was an investor from the outside looking in and where those monies ended up and what happened with them, I would look long and hard at the kind of advisory panel of who's making the decisions for the portfolio companies that they're either bringing in or they're starting. And I think that was a big lesson of, of who, who really is working on these companies and how much time is being spent on them, um, I think is, is, is really critical because I think there was, that was overlooked and a lesson as I look back on that's really important. I think too, when it comes to the, the early stage investing side, and this was a lesson that I learned from that senior advisor who had built up and, and sold a multi-billion dollar company was the subscription-based model is a really powerful model when it comes to providing shareholder value and, and building a very scalable business is if you can get something that is almost like a gym membership that's a little bit easy to ignore almost in terms of a price point standpoint for consumers, it really is a great model to scale. So again, everybody has got their interest, but, but in every industry, even in healthcare, when you even look at like EHRs or telehealth or mental health, you've seen the rise of these subscription-based models. And I think those are some of the things that more, I think, lucrative in the long run, especially with a very large multiple exit. Well, that's, that's what insurance companies do, right? I mean, it's a subscription business. They get people to pay them monthly and they try and limit their claims and, you know, play with the numbers to raise the premiums or raise deductibles or whatever, right? So I think a lot of doctors can relate to Except that. Except if you're in the home insurance industry in Florida right now <laughs> and your back is totally against the wall. <laughs> right? Yeah. So, yep. you know, I think it's a good lesson for doctors to think about, you know, what kind of new streams of revenue that can be subscriptions. You know, if you're waiting for a patient to come in the door, then you're you're always looking for the next one. You know, if you can create consistent revenue that maybe you don't have to work for as hard within the practice that you could charge a subscription for, that can really help your practice a lot. Oh, 100%. And, and I've seen people do it with great success. And we've been fortunate enough to be alongside of some of those journeys. But I'm a huge fan of providing value to patients that does help care outcomes and educating them along the way. And there's so many different conduits like LMS, like learning management systems, and you can create courses and you can create a much more kind of sticky environment and relationship with your patients that in a a direct way can generate revenue too, but it's really providing a whole entire next level experience in healthcare and in the health journey of the patients too. That is really exciting and and technology provides that now for physicians, but there's not a lot of physicians that are utilizing it really at the current time. So give us an example, like what what would that look like, you know, that, that a doctor could do? 
Yeah, absolutely. So a lot of the concierge side of things, like even in orthopedics, you're seeing it a lot with the rise of um, these type of DPC, either direct care models in subspecialties as well, especially in mental health, where you can create an environment for people to be able to go in in almost a course fashion and have additional almost therapeutic level education materials where they can learn how to be healthier. They can learn daily exercises and routines. They can learn meditation. They can learn all of these different things that a physician can provide through through content uh, using something like Kajabi. Like we've seen some psychiatrists that have created Kajabi based, which is an LMS courses on different types of mental health and different types of um, daily mental health or meditation exercises. And then they can provide that to their patients for say 50 bucks a month or even 25 bucks a month. And they can go in and they can learn other um, ways, almost DIY ways straight from an MD um, to continue to invest in their mental health. Interesting, interesting suggestion. Something, you know, people could think about as a way to make money being a physician without doing some of the stuff that I do, for example, with land flipping or investing in apartments. You know, you can use your knowledge and, and monetize it and create streams of income possibly for yourself. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, Justin, you know, we've we've gone through COVID. You know, here we are two and a half years later recording this in September of 2022. Uh, what, what have you seen from your side where you're trying to help doctors get patients and promote themselves how have you seen practices change and what what has that been like the last couple of years yeah it's 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 been interesting i think what covid did for us at looking at it from a very kind of business sense is it it really caused physicians and practices to kind of finally stand up and listen to things that we had been saying for a long time in terms of what patients are asking for from a consumerization and an Amazonification standpoint that they've been asking for for several years prior to COVID in terms of the direct relationship that they want with the practices in terms of um, their marketing, their social media, um, even all the way down to what their EHR, their patient relation management systems can provide, like two-way secure text messaging, the ability to request prescription refills without having to call and wait on hold for an hour, like all of that stuff. And when COVID happened and really cut off a lot of those lines of communication for really multiple months and created kind of an unknown future and what was going to happen, everyone had to kind of go back to the drawing board and be like, well, we lived and died by referrals. And that was really what stood up the healthcare system. But things are obviously changing and have change has been forced upon us with COVID now that patients can't walk through the door. How do we start adapting technology and how do we get more digitally savvy to connect directly to patients um, versus having to rely on referrals to grow our practice? And that really allowed us an opportunity to, to kind of step in and, and, and show them how to do that in a digital space. I mean, we have ortho groups, which has long been thought of as a very traditional referral-based practice model that we're generating literally thousands of patients a month for their walk-in clinics and urgent cares straight through advertising. And that was like a really foreign concept even five years ago to be able to do that. Like, how do you how do you run Google ads for like an ACL or an MCL tear or a joint replacement? And the reality is not only can you, you can drive literally millions of dollars in annual revenue straight through advertising. And that's what COVID has really allowed is the consumer is looking for that and they're online and actively pursuing those avenues in their healthcare journey because of how in tune they are now. And it really just takes 
physicians capitalizing on that from the standpoint of being there when they're needed and being willing to educate. And now for a commercial break. Have you been wondering what I'm so tired of working? What would it take to retire? Maybe you've been thinking about, gosh, I want to have a plan for getting out of medicine, but I'm not sure of the right way to do that. What are the steps that I need to take? Well, that is why I put together this ebook, which is the roadmap to retire by 45. It lays out literally step by step what you need to do, how to go through it, how to calculate it. Uh, I think this is a fantastic ebook that will probably take you 15, 20 minutes to read through, but really lays it out step by step. If you want the ebook, just text ROAD to retire. That's R O A D T O R E T I R E to 833 343 2986. Again, text ROAD to retire, ROAD to retire to this number 833 343 2986. It'll be 20 minutes that will really change your life. And now back to the show. Well, I think if we ever went through a similar pandemic again, which who knows might happen, COVID hasn't gone away. It can mutate and it's hard to say. It's an endemic. It seems like for now, for sure. Just like the flu. Yeah, exactly. That, you know, I think having these kind of pieces in place, you know, are important to a lot of um, practices. Now we we do have a lot of, of people that listen to this podcast. They're working for hospital systems. They're not in a private practice Mm -hmm. kind of a setting. So they're kind of at the mercy of the hospital system and within the hospital system, you know, they're getting referrals and whatever. If, if you were advising someone and thinking about, uh, or maybe I guess the question is, do you work with people that don't have private practices and what does that look like in terms of how your firm is seeing them and what's happening, you know, with the pandemic and and post-pandemic. So we do, we actually created a program to really be able to provide solutions at a much lower cost than say like a large orthopedic group that can, can utilize hundreds of thousands of dollars in a marketing budget. And like you said, if you've got an ortho surgeon that's working for a Midwest healthcare system, they don't have that, especially they're coming out of med school. They've got a lot of debt. They've come out of fellowship. Um, because we, what I started seeing was a rise of a, of a kind of the same story again and again when people were calling into our agency, both in private practice and in the hospital setting. Like I either just joined as a minority partner at a large private practice. It's all the gray haired physicians that sit on the board. They have no interest in investing in marketing and they gave me my own location in the sticks. I have no book of business and patients don't know me. How do I start actually getting patients so I can make bonus? And the same thing goes for the hospital. Like I just joined a really large health system. They promised me the world in terms of the attention that I'd get from marketing or from the referral development team. And now I'm in here and I'm six months in and I haven't met with a single marketing person and nobody's marketing me and I'm struggling for patients. And the only reason I get them is because I'm on rotation in the OR. And so the probably the most critical thing when you are bootstrapped in terms of a marketing budget as an individual physician, I think the most 
important things to do is invest some of your time and potentially some resources into proactively doing physician referral marketing. Get out there, shake hands, kiss babies, so to speak, because that is how you're going to build your network early on. And it's critical to invest some of your own time. And as you get busier with surgeries or, or clinic time, seeing patients that you hand that off. And that's where a lot of people trip is they start. They get started early because they've got plenty of time and bandwidth. They go out and meet physicians. Their referral base grows, so they get time constricted, and then it all falls to the wayside. So hand that off at some point to somebody, and if you're lucky enough to be in a health system that really does do good rotation and you do get time with a liaison that's dedicated to physician referrals, that's great, but a lot don't, unfortunately. So you need to take that power back into your own hands and invest time and effort into that. And the other side is if if a health system will allow you, which it's definitely 50-50, is in, invest in your own space on the internet. Get your own, like drsmith.com. Always own your own domain. I would encourage anybody that's listening because you never know where the journey is going to take you. And I own justinnot.com and I, and I recommend every physician out there to go buy their namesake.com. Get your own website set up because even if you're not going to, proactively, which I encourage you, invest in personal branding, invest in video, invest in social media, either to connect with patients as an expert in your field or connect with more colleagues across the country, or even get tenured if you're at a, a research-based like John Hopkins type hospital, getting more exposure can help you with that. Get a, get a website because that's where you can start investing in local marketing. You can start pointing patients pre-op and post-op to educate themselves. You just have something to call your own that you can start on the ground floor and build. So I would encourage health hospital people or people that are in a position where they're at a large practice that's not giving them the time of day, so to speak, is invest in your own personal brand and invest in physician referral development. Good. No, that's, that's good stuff, Justin. In terms of obviously we're a financial based podcast and all these things are revenue generating type activities that particularly someone on RVUs, you know, they can grow their income that way. And you see a lot of different practices. You work with a lot of different physicians. What do you think financially are some of the biggest mistakes that you see doctors making? That's a good question. I think one of probably the biggest one, and it's the one that you hear everybody that's on our side of the camp that's not an MD talk about is there's not enough financial training and entrepreneurial and business-based training that goes on in med school and get people in the right seats on the bus to help you succeed. If your strength is patient care, focus on patient care and get somebody that has a really good, strong business mindset, whether it's a CFO or a CEO in the right seat on the bus to help you get that direction. I think probably the most frustrating thing is physician owners that can't get out of their own way in terms of the growth of the business. And they either have Again, this isn't a slight because I've seen successful relationships, but oftentimes your wife may or significant other may not be the right person to run the practice unless they have a background in business growth and practice growth. Get somebody who has experience in that because as you know, there is a lot of stuff outside of just taking care of patients that goes into running a successful practice and the human capital component of it and overhead are probably two of the biggest things. And that's where I see physicians consistently making mistakes and the ones that are doing it right time and again and our favorite clients to work with are the ones that have other business savvy people around them helping them make the right decisions and then they make the right decisions in terms of the 
point of care that's being provided. I think that's probably the number one mistake and the number one thing that people that are growing get right in terms of building financial freedom. I love it. And I'm curious to know, how do you define financial freedom? Like what, what does that mean to you? For me, it is, for me, it's all about lifestyle. As I knew early on, I wanted to do something. I cared less about making millions of dollars and more about getting to a position where I could provide very comfortably for my family. But it was about a very intentional work-life balance where if I do want to impromptu take off on a Friday and spend time with my daughter, I can. And I don't feel strapped to the computer or to my clients in a way that doesn't allow me to do that. So for me personally, the financial freedom was all about having a creating a lifestyle business that didn't require me every single day living and breathing it. And it was a long journey. It's been almost a 10 year journey. I've owned the agency and for a good six or seven of it, I was me and my wife were the only people working inside of it. And we were the janitor and we were the CEO and we were everything in between. And so that was what has been and and will continue to be very important for me is I got to take my first two week vacation a little while ago for the first time in almost a 10 year career since I got out of college. And that it felt like me finally getting to kind of what I had set out to do a decade ago. And that's what's been really important for me is calling my time my own and not being a slave to the business. Yeah, for sure. For sure. All, all good thoughts. And, and Justin, if people want to talk to you about marketing questions and ways to help them get more clients, whether they work for a hospital or they own their own practice, where can they find you? Yeah, absolutely. So Entropy, I-N-T-R-E-P-Y, Entropy.com is our marketing agency. Again, you can go on there. We've got tons of resources, tons of videos. Um, if you are um, in a practice or healthcare and you're looking to get more patients, um, definitely reach out to us. Uh, I also create personally a ton of content. We have our own podcast too, the Patient Convert Podcast. Go check me out on LinkedIn. Let's get connected. And I, I always love collaborating and networking. So Justin Knott, K-N-O-T-T on LinkedIn and then entropy.com is um, our main website. So go check it out and I'd love to connect and, and network. Love it. Love it. And any other closing pieces of advice, Justin, you want to leave people with something to think about and, and consider uh, here for the next year? I would recommend every physician out there to really deliberately think about what they want their legacy and their personal brand to be. And with that said, Figure out what content conduit or medium is going to work best for your lifestyle and start investing in it. You're going to make mistakes early on and it's all about, it's all about learning and growing and that's what physicians are really good at. So if it's video, start learning how to do video um, in, your, in, in a little bit of your spare time and get efficient at it. If it's written, start writing. If it's podcasting like we're doing now, start podcasting. Um, but start doing it and start learning because you're never going to get good at it unless you start doing it. And that's probably the biggest thing is invest in your personal brand. It doesn't need to be overwhelming, but figure out what content you like to create the most. Great advice, Justin. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you, Dave, for having me. All right, my friends, well, that wraps up another episode of the Freedom Formula for Physicians podcast. Remember, remember to slash your debt, slash your taxes, and live a liberated lifestyle. Well, thank you, my friends, so much for listening to the last podcast. I am pleased to announce that I am now a completely independent financial advisor, where to the point now, I can really integrate my financial planning practice 
with this podcast. If you might be looking for help, if you have found any of our information here interesting or relevant and you're looking for a second opinion, I am making myself available for 30-minute strategy sessions. And if you want to arrange a time to meet with me to discuss your situation and see if we might be a good fit for one another, I'd like you to call our office and speak with Kyla. Our phone number is 612-284-2409. Again, that's 612-284-2409. And I look forward to helping you with your financial situation. And now for some lovely legal disclosures required by our lawyer friends. Investment advice is only offered in jurisdictions where Centurion Financial Strategies, LLC, Centurion is appropriately registered or exempt from registration. Our Form ADV Part 2 brochure can be obtained free of charge at advisorinfo.sec.gov by searching for our firm name or its unique CRD number, which is 316-454. This podcast is not a solicitation to provide advisory services in any jurisdiction in which we are not appropriately registered or excluded. The information, statements, and opinions contained in this podcast have been obtained from or are based on information obtained from sources which we believe to be reliable, but we do not warrant or guarantee the timeliness or accuracy of such information. This podcast is intended for informational purposes only and should not be construed as personalized investment, tax, or legal advice. Opinions expressed by any guest are their own opinions and do not necessarily reflect the firm's views. You should carefully consider your own financial circumstances and needs prior to making any investment in securities or purchasing any insurance products. As always, past performance is not indicative of future results. Investing in securities or really anything else involves the risk of loss. If by some chance in this particular podcast I mentioned insurance products, insurance products are backed by the financial strength and claims paying ability of an issuing insurance company. They may be subject to restrictions, limitations, and early withdrawal fees, which vary by issuer. You should always consider the charges, risks, expenses, and investment objective of any insurance products before entering a contract. And that, my friends, wraps it up. Wish you all the best. Feel free to contact us with any info at www.daviddeniston.com. Thank you so much and have a good one. Bye-bye.